Hello and welcome to the podcast series, Is Obesity a Gateway Disease to Other MCDs, Other Disease Areas? Now today we will be kicking it off as we talk about obesity and diabetes type 2. I am your host, Vicky Mooney. I am the Executive Director for ECPO, the European Coalition for People Living with Obesity. And I live with obesity, but I've also had gestational diabetes. And the two ladies that I have with me here today are Natasha Viling from Netherlands and Miss Susie Burney from Ireland. Now, Natasha, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course, my pleasure. Uh, I'm Natasha. I'm uh, a mom of two uh, puberty boys, <laughs> 16 and almost 18. I work in a hospice. And uh, besides that, I work as a volunteer for the Dutch Association for People Living with Overweight and Obesity. Thank you, Natasha. Susie, would you like to introduce yourself? I will indeed. I'm Susie Burney. I'm uh, 48 years old, living in Dublin, and I'm a passionate advocate with the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity and the European Coalition for People Living with Obesity. Thank you, Susie. So let's begin. I am going to delve into obesity and diabetes type two. And firstly, I'm going to come to Natasha. Now, we had a conversation last week and we talked about symptoms. We talked about treatments and this podcast, this initial one is going to be in around kind of what happened at the very, very beginning. How did you recognize that, you know, you had some symptoms of diabetes type two? Um, what was your story, Natasha? Well, um, actually I did not have any symptoms as I was aware of. Um, I went to my, uh, GP with some, uh, intimate infections and time after time, she gave me medication to um, help the infection go away. And then it went away for about a few weeks. It returned. I went back to the GP and started all over again. And in the end, she said, well, I can uh, continue giving you prescriptions, but um, I think there's something other going on. And have you ever thought about type 2 diabetes? I said, well, no, I don't have any um, symptoms or mm. uncomforts or whatever. And she said, well, I think you should have your blood tested because I think it could have a, re a relation with type 2 diabetes. So that's what happened. And uh, she sent me to the lab and mm. I have had my blood tested. Within 24 hours, she called me and she was really, uh, well, scared is a, is a big word, but she was concerned about my health. She said, um, your HbA1c is about 21. Wow. It should be in, in the older, um, how do you call it, terms? Old money terms. Yes. It should, it should be under seven. And oh. it was 21. So she said, you really need medication urgently because um, you have type 2 diabetes. So wow. she said, I want you to see, I want to see you in my office within four hours. You need to go on medication. And I want to have a talk with you. Wow. She was fast. She yes, really, really moved fast, fast on it. And, it, you know, I, I don't hear of many GPs um, that are actually that engaged with the, the patient to, you know, connect immediately and say, hey, listen, I, I want you in here in my office right now. You know, so mm -hmm. I'm delighted. At, first of all, you had that experience in the sense of you had her. But 21, you know what her symptoms. See, this is what boggles my mind because we talk about type 2 diabetes and instantly I think of, I'd have all of the typical symptoms, but I wouldn't have imagined that a symptom was actually 
an infection and an intimate infection, as you call it down there Mm -hmm. as a lady. Now, we will actually be talking to um, a doctor shortly um, in or later in the podcast series when we actually go into different symptoms and stuff like that. But how did you feel? That must have blown your mind because 21 is very high. Yes, for me, it was like a red button because, of course, I knew I was uh, my, my weight was too much. I was 125 kilograms and I was one meter 66. So. Of course, I knew I was too too heavy and uh, she already knew it for years and she had been talking about it several times. Hmm. But of, as we all know, it's a very complicated um, issue to talk about yeah. yeah, with your patient, for yeah. the patient and for the doctor as well, because uh, she feels ashamed to start talking about it. You don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But for her, uh, of course, it was also an, an indication that there was a risk factor for type 2 diabetes. Hmm. So you'd actually said to me when we were chatting last week, like it was like a ticking time bomb almost, you know, um, that kind of realization yeah. and shock. Well, that's what she actually literally said. You're a ticking time bomb. If you don't do anything about it now, it will be medication for the rest of your life. And I'm not sure about the quality of your life. And uh, yeah, you should uh, think about it, what you want to do with your health. And then she sent me home with the medication and she said, uh, think about what I told you. Uh, uh, talk about your husband, your family, your friends. And uh, yeah, make up your mind. And I want to see you back in my office in about a week and have a further chat with you. And I want you to know that you can do something about type 2 diabetes yourself. So maybe in the end, you don't need the medication anymore. But first, go home, think about this message. Mm. And then I start thinking at home, talking to my husband and thinking, yeah, okay. If this is it, it means uh, a lifetime of medication. And I'm not sure if I will see my children grow up, if I will see them getting married, if I will reach my pension. Mm. So what you said, the, the, the red button was really pushed yeah. And of course, I already knew for years that living in a bigger body isn't healthy, but there was no sign of uh, making me very yeah. aware of that I had to do something about it. Other illnesses. It, that's yes. it, isn't it? You know, it's like, and I was the same. I, you know, I had obesity most of my life um, that I can remember from childhood upwards. So I'd always lived in, as you say, that bigger body. I'd always lived in a larger body, but but I didn't have a an awareness of the fact that that could open the door to other diseases. And actually it was when I got pregnant, which I'll talk about later. And I got gestational diabetes and I was like, what's gestational diabetes? What I don't have diabetes. And I think I felt almost offended that it was like, and when the doctor said to me, he said, "Um, well, he said, you know, you're obese. And that's the terminology that he would use back then. You're obese. Mm-hmm. Um, as in you have obesity and of course you're opening the door to other things. But before I actually go into that, I want to jump across to Susie because we're talking about symptoms and this is what fascinates me is that your symptoms were completely different, right? I had again too, though, I didn't think I had symptoms because I obviously didn't really understand about diabetes. I had always had the issue with my weight from a child, uh, from a teenager. And, um, I was looking through for treatment for that and then, through that, I had the diagnosis for diabetes, but didn't know the connection, didn't understand mm. anything about it. Um, but very similar in how Natasha felt in that I I viewed both of the diseases so differently. 
Yeah. Um, so I was going along the path for my weight that I always thought I just had to eat less and move more and that mm. it was purely my own responsibility. But when I was diagnosed with the diabetes, I will never forget the difference in how I felt in that I was terrified. I didn't feel that way about the obesity. I just felt it was something I needed to tackle. But I felt terrified to the point I remembered the woman's face who I saw on the street when I left my GP's office because I was crying um, and I was that shocked. And she looked at me. Why was I crying and wanted to help? Um, oh, wow. I, I felt that shamed. It was it had got to this. Um, and I think that shame followed on further to when I went for my first appointment for my diabetes in a clinic in a Dublin hospital, which was totally different to where I was going for my obesity. No mm. connection at all. And I was sitting in the waiting room and it was busy. There must have been 30 people there, maybe. And when I was called, the elderly gentleman beside me said, oh, you're here for yourself. I thought you were here with your father because I was about oh, 35 wow. years old, maybe. And everybody else there was probably 60, 70, 80 years of age at that day. Wow. And That's the shame, the shame I felt. I just thought you have royally just ruined your life now. You really have. So I didn't have that. Uh, thirst. I didn't have any signs or symptoms. Um, there was no worry about it, but there certainly was the shame as soon as I was diagnosed. It, that it, that's actually fascinating because when I was reading about diabetes type two, it had actually said that it's generally um, that older kind of age bracket, mature age bracket. And now they're seeing type two diabetes in younger children and teenagers and everything, you know. So I, I think there's isn't there that typical lifestyle narrative of with diabetes type two, it's older people who have serious weight challenges and they sit in a bracket by themselves. But now it's actually more and more prominent. And we're getting more and more aware of it. Something that I don't think people actually think about an awful lot is that we know that obesity is prevalent across the world. We know that diabetes is prevalent across the world. We know it's it's everywhere. But you both actually agreed that obesity wasn't a, a flag per se for you. The flag, was, the shock was diabetes type 2. Do you think that that's a a common thing for people that we're all just so used to if you have obesity you're living in a larger body and there is no you're not flagged at all do you think that's the kind of thoughts that people have Susie I'll come to you first I definitely think the two disease areas are, are perceived differently I, I think people think if you have diabetes it's not necessarily something you brought on by yourself but then also I do know that there's huge assumptions about the actual disease and people used to say to me oh so you obviously ate a lot of sweets yeah, I've, I don't eat sweets. That's not the type yeah. of problem I have in my life. Sweets is not a problem. And I never mm. eat sweet stuff. I'm more a savory person. And I know a lot of people say I even see it on some of the TV programs where somebody said, oh, I'm going to give some sweets to somebody. Oh, are they diabetic? And it's a yeah. huge misconception. Yeah. But another one was for me was that when I say that I believed I had to eat less and move more for my obesity, I fully believed that once I was prescribed my medication for my diabetes, that was it. And after that first fear had disappeared and I got used to it and I was, you know, brought into the clinic and given a basic education on diabetes. Mm. Once I was taking my medication, it was like I forgot about it. I watched my levels. I checked I was under seven, yeah. like Natasha mentioned, but I really did feel I ticked the box. I was on a treatment and that's it until I got the diagnosis then of retinopathy. Yeah. And that really was the tipping point for the fear because I was told this can progress that you could end up blind. And I didn't know enough about diabetes, even though I'd had it three or four years until I got the retinopathy. And that's when I 
knew I needed to understand this disease more. And through our advocacy and our patient groups, Hmm. I knew there was a connection with the obesity then and really shocked at the disconnect. And I'm talking about this all started for me back in 2009. And then I ended up having treatment, which the treatment I had is a treatment most people perceive as only for obesity, but it actually treated my diabetes. Yeah. And that was in 2015. And I learned very little between 2009 and 2015. That's not... It's not even that long ago. No, that's 14 years. You know, like, wow, 14 years ago, we haven't really shifted a dial. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I had bariatric surgery, which my type two diabetes then reversed on the day. But up to that, when I was having my treatment for obesity, I didn't want to have bariatric surgery because I didn't Mm. feel that it was the right treatment for me for the problems that I have. I didn't think it was going to fix my food disorder. I didn't think it was going to fix some of my underlying problems. But when it was explained to me about how it can treat type two diabetes and particularly the retinopathy. So Mm. it is very hard to, to understand the relief to know that there's that treatment there that you didn't understand previously. Yeah, you, you know, there's a few things that you touched on there. And and actually, one of them is, I, I think there is that awful stigmatizing narrative out there in around diabetes type two, because and I, I think this comes from the word sugar. So you're testing somebody's blood sugar and instantly, like, I mean, even I had thought initially, oh, God, did I have too much sugar today? Is that what this is? However, it's not all about that. Right. And I think that exists too too much in society where you know you see the jokes of oh I'll be in a diabetic coma after eating this kind of thing and I'm like how how wrong it is to actually to stigmatize in that way but Natasha I actually want to come to you is it any different in Netherlands in comparison to what Susie was sharing there on you know the the narrative around it the disconnect between obesity and diabetes type 2 because Susie went to two different clinics right for obesity one for obesity one for diabetes type two. What about yeah. Netherlands for you? For me, it was uh, separated because the the diabetics uh, was being treated by the GP, okay, and her assistant who was specialized in diabetics, and uh, the obesity was treated in a hospital at a bariatric uh, department of the hospital. Wow. Okay. So, I think probably in some ways, like Netherlands, what you've got a population of around seventeen million or thereabouts. Ireland's 5 million. I would have actually thought Ireland would be ahead in many ways. But when we talk talk about treatment, actually, in a little while, we'll get more into that. But when it comes to the narrative um, and that, the kind of the stigma around diabetes, is that the same? Is it a, a perceived lifestyle? You're eating too much sugar? No, I think the, the thoughts about that have changed in the last years in the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, it's, it's more that type 2 diabetes is more uh, recognized as a disease among the wow. people okay. living in the Netherlands. Although um, obesity also is the, um, recognized as an officially disease, but it's not being uh, treated like that by the community because people th- still think, like Susie said, it's just eat less, move more, it's your own fault. Yeah. And although the World Health Organization says it's it's a relapsing um, chronic disease, people won't think about it in that way only Mm. the people who who live with people in their uh, area or family or friends who live with the um, obesity they have a little bit more of knowledge about the the disease but 
overall, the people will still uh, have the biases about obesity. When I think back to when I was pregnant first time around, um, it was 2001. I was pregnant with my first child. So it's 22 years ago. When I realized, when, and actually back then, the testing for um, diabetes was so different. So it was a giant bottle of LucasAge. Um, so fast overnight, don't have anything, go into the hospital next morning. They'll test you before and after you drink this awful bottle of pure glucose, more or less. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor told me, he said, Vicky, you've got gestational diabetes. I remember the shame. I remember feeling so ashamed. And I, for months and months, did not tell anybody in my family. I didn't tell my husband. I was just so relieved that he was sat outside in the waiting room, that he wasn't inside with me. I didn't tell my mom. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't talk to my granny because I assumed that everybody would think it was my own fault. Because at that stage, I was 24 and I was probably about, uh, I would have been about 140 kilos or thereabouts. Um, and, you know, I'm only about five or four, so I'm, I'm not exactly tall either. And I would have just assumed people would think that's because you eat so much chocolate, Vicky. That's, it's all your own fault. Um, and I was so concerned about it because obviously I'm carrying my first child and the effects that it would have on my baby. And I remember the emotions, how torn I was in myself and blaming myself and saying, you're actually not only damaging you, but you're damaging your child. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually the looks from the midwife when I got undressed to, you know, for the scan and that and the look on her face when she went through my chart and she was like, OK, so oh, gestational diabetes. And then she looks at me and that kind of disgust almost that you're bringing a child into the world and you know how um, dare you yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was so so embarrassing I stopped actually bringing my husband then to my appointments because I was afraid he was going to find out and he was going to blame me for you know damaging our child and that's what went through my head and I, I think that is probably a very common situation with many mums Many people who, um, you know, get their results and realize they have diabetes if they are carrying weight and have obesity as well. And when you said about and you you said your red button and Susie, you said, you know, the kind of like, oh, my goodness, it's diabetes. Do you think there is a way that we could actually educate about obesity through diabetes? The likes of, say, for instance, you have a program in schools that teaches kids about diabetes. Well, actually, if you have obesity, it can open the doorway to diabetes because people don't seem to take it seriously enough when you say obesity. But people go, oh, my God, diabetes type two. What? What do you think? Yeah, something you've just said there has reminded me, Vicky, but just how different people perceive these two diseases are also based on that obesity tends to be people recognize it because they say it's your size. Now you Mm. can lose weight and still live with obesity. We know that, but society doesn't. And I often had people say to me, I didn't know you had diabetes. And you feel like Mm -hmm. saying, well, do you want me to chat about (laughs) my HbA1c levels today? Like it's not normal to drop it into conversation. But they see your obesity because they just basically see people in larger bodies. And that's what they see. And the the old term we were trying to change is you're just obese. Whereas people don't see that you have diabetes. We have so many people walking around on the street with another disease, but you're not judged for it. And even though people then say, oh, you must have eaten too much sweets, which is supposed to be blaming you, Hmm. but they don't criticize you for that. It's just an assumption. But for your obesity, it's pure blame. 
And yeah. people look at you and you can see the microaggressions when they turn their nose up and they look away, but then they look back because they're curious to see somebody in a bigger body. But you don't get that for the diabetes. No. Whereas they both have stigma, but they're very different. And one, because it's visual and the other, it's it's really not. I think when you put the two of them together, um, and I think as well, if we go on to talking about like internalized stigma, I think that's an area when you have obesity and type two diabetes or obesity and in my case, gestational diabetes, it's a case of that conversation in your head gets worse. Um, and the self-blame is probably the worst because of the narrative that exists in society, right? Because effectively you've got obesity and many of the GPs aren't, haven't had the education um, around obesity as a disease. So therefore you get the lifestyle handout of go on a diet, exercise more, and then you have diabetes type two. Okay. Your blood sugars are high. And it's like, this is all lifestyle, right? And that goes into your head. And how did you handle that, Natasha? Of course, you blame yourself again and again and again. It's my own fault. It's it's the choices I made. And yeah, I just had to to switch the button and think, okay, if, if I want to change anything about it, uh, I have to take these advices and stop thinking that it's my my fault because I won't get any further by thinking that. And now I'm telling it really uh, in an easy way, but it wasn't easy, of course. But it makes me um, angry that people still think that it's it's a lifestyle issue. Yeah. And uh, that's um, what we as a, a patient association really want to, to learn to the community that please stop thinking that there are so many, many, many other causes of obesity and type 2 diabetics. And it, it doesn't help people to tell them it's your own fault, just eat less, move more, because the stigma and the internalized stigma gets more and more and more. And people won't lose any kilogram of weight by stigmatizing. Yeah. I, do you know, I'm just listening, right? And when you had initially started explaining about your experience with your GP and how quickly she called and had you in the office, um, and you said there, actually, I'm explaining it in a really easy way. Yes, there's self-blame and everything else. But I actually think, just reflecting on what you'd said, I think probably the GP and your experience with the GP probably helped in the sense of supporting you. Whereas I know, Susie, your experience wasn't like that, as you said, about sitting in the waiting room with, you know, that older generation kind of sat all around you. Um what do you think we can do to actually to help people understand that it's not all their own fault and it's more common than not? You know, Susie, you weren't a big sweet lover or anything else. You know, I sit with you and I I watch what you eat, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's protein, protein, protein. Natasha, go ahead. I would say we, sh we should start teaching the GPs and the healthcare professionals because as long as there are GPs or healthcare professionals who are stigmatizing or didn't have the education about what it means to live with obesity, how can you expect that society changed their mind about it? Most definitely. Susie, go ahead. And I think to add to that, what we're doing here, sharing our lived experiences, if we don't get into the core of it and I'm talking about the uncomfortable bits people are nearly afraid to hear then yeah. how can any healthcare professional or society or our families understand it because we hide it 
We hide yeah. her in pain. We hide. You said you didn't tell your husband because of the shame. If we don't talk more, how can people then learn? I know despite making changes after being advised about my diabetes, what I should do, despite having professional help, despite being on medication, my disease still deteriorated. Now, if I had yeah. stayed in that self-blame place and not actually continued on with what I needed to do for treatment, I could be in a very, very unhealthy state right now. I was lucky that I had the right healthcare professionals then to help me through. But if I hadn't have spoke more at the time, where would I be right now? So I think we need to just keep talking and share our lived experiences so people can understand. Somebody might listen to something, one sentence you say and go, oh, wow, that sounds like me. I need to do something. I think that's so important. Definitely agree on you. Last week, I had a, a lecture to uh, lifestyle coaches and I shared my experience, my lived experience with a lot of examples just to let them feel how it, it feels to live with obesity. And I could see their mouth falling open like, oh, never realized that. Oh, oh. So it's mm -hmm. really, really good to share those experiences because they don't even know anything about it. Yeah. And if you talk about the healthcare professional, the GPs in the Netherlands, they only mm -hmm. get four hours of education on yeah. obesity in their whole It's shocking. study. Yeah, yes. it is absolutely shocking, considering the fact that obesity is a gateway to, what, over 230 other complications and disease areas. And and the average person doesn't know that. But I think until we actually change that lifestyle narrative that is in society with both obesity and diabetes type 2, we're not going to help out anyone. Because I think if I didn't have the education I have now and I was just, you know, regular working mom. Um, went to my doctor and they said, well, you've got diabetes type 2. I would go home and go, right, well, it's all lifestyle, so I just need to put myself on a diet. I'm so ashamed. I'm not going to go back to the doctor because I don't want to be told that I just eat too much and I don't exercise enough. And I'd self-blame myself and put myself on a self-management program, you know, and I'd do the gym and I'd do this, 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 which would obviously help, but people don't realize that they actually need medical intervention for not just diabetes type two, but obviously for the obesity as well. And until exactly. that changes, there's going to be so many people out there. They're just going to sit at home and go, no, look, I'm I'm not going. I'm, I can't manage this myself. And it can be quite uncomfortable to hear the lived experience stories. It really can. But then just put yourself in a place and think how uncomfortable is it to live it. Exactly. And we don't share these stories for pity. We don't want people no. to say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's not it. It's about understanding it so that somebody else listening will say, OK, I need help. Actually, now I know what yeah. I need to do. And that's all what this is about. Yeah. And I think it's that you're not on your own. There are so many others out there. And I, like, I just think of how many women are out there, Natasha, that had your symptom, you know, that have an infection down below. And when I have one, I'm like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to talk to my doctor about it. It's a male, you know, It, it's, it is the most awful thing to go and sit down and, and have that conversation around, you know, and you're like, just get me in and out. And then yes, when they say as diabetes. Soon as possible. Yeah. And it's like diabetes type two. And I'm like, what? I'm here for an infection that I have down below, not diabetes type two. You know, I think even things like that, sharing that can make another woman realize that, okay, actually that could be a flag that I wasn't aware mm -hmm. of. Right. And for my GP, it was like, uh, 
a gateway for her to address the conversation about the obesity. Exactly. And she did it uh, probably several times before, but she never hit the right button Yeah. for me to start really think about it and ac accepting that I needed to change something. So it, it's it's really perfect for her to the way she did it. It's opening the door, the right? right? Yes. Yeah, it's opening yes. the door for it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's kind of like the, the shock of diabetes type two and the, oh my God, all these other things could happen to me in my future, or I may not get to see, you know, family and friends and everything else grow up. You know, you, you get this kind of shocked moment, but people who have obesity don't get that shocked moment. They don't have that in the doctor's surgery. It's like, you want to talk about my weight? I don't want to talk about my weight. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Generally, that's because you've lived with the, the obesity for so long. You've nearly adapted to it and consigned yourself to this is my life. But with the diabetes, yeah. it's it's I, I don't think anybody's walked into a doctor's office where they've said, I'm diagnosing you with obesity. You know, you don't get that one no. defining moment. So no. it is so different. You've lived with it for many more years, you know, than you tend to with the diabetes. So, yeah, they're very different. Thank you, Susie. Okay, so that is pretty much all we have time for today as we talk about treatment of obesity um, and diabetes type 2. I'd like to thank Natasha Viling from Netherlands and Susie Burney from Ireland for joining me. Ladies, I will speak to you soon in another episode, I hope. It's a wrap. Yay, it's a wrap. Bye.